Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode of the Self Love Club is brought to you by Sugar Baby. Clean, kind, vegan, and using organic coconut to give that iconic Sugar Baby smell and feel. Hello, and welcome to the Self Love Club, the podcast dedicated to chatting about stuff that matters, real talk, and lols. I'm your host, Belle Crawford, and on the show this week, we're so lucky to be joined by feminist icon Abby Chatfield. Love you, babe. I'm so excited for you to hear this chat. Abby is an Australian reality TV star, podcast host, soon-to-be author and sex toy collaborator who was villainized and slut-shamed on The Bachelor and has changed the narrative and uses her platform to speak about important issues which we cover in this episode. We chat about feminism, the patriarchy and systems which still exist, modern day self-love, the accelerant rise of the female sexuality movement, trolls, relationships, attachment types, hi to anxious gals here, why a lot of people settle, therapy and how to not give a crap about what people think about you. So yeah, we chat about a lot and it was such a privilege to be able to have these conversations I crave having on this podcast. You can also watch video clips on our Instagram. It's at Self Love Club Podcast. Give us a follow and I'm at Belle Crawford. A heads up, there is a mention of abortion in this episode, not in detail, but it may be triggering for some listeners. I'll put details of where you can get help in the show notes. Right, let's get into it. Abby, welcome to the Self Love Club. Thank you so much for your time today. So excited to have a chat with you. Just absolutely love you, babe. (laughs) <laughs> oh, thanks, Faye. Lovely to meet you, even if it is via Zoom. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of people in Australia obviously know all about you. For our Kiwi listeners, tell us a bit about yourself and what you do, because some people do know who you are, which is super exciting, but for anyone who maybe doesn't. Oh, my God. I mean, where does one start? Jesus Christ. I mean, so I was the runner-up on season seven of The Bachelor Australia. I was the villain. I was uh, hectically slut-shamed. I was a villain because before anyone thinks, oh, she's so mean. Mm. No, I was a villain because I was really horny um, (laughs) and the girls would just make up things like, she's really manipulative but never explained what they meant by that. Like There was never... There was never a crux. <laughs> and then I went on Bachelor in Paradise. And then I recently won I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here, Australia. Do you have that in New Zealand? No, we didn't. I'm but a celebrity get me out I of consume a lot of, I could see a lot of it. So I, I was like so excited for you. Yeah, it was so cool because it shows like they aren't edited as much. So they can't make you out to be an arsehole mm. when you aren't one, you know? No, I'm not. An, I mean, I can be an arsehole. But I mean, so we, we won that one. And uh, I have a podcast called It's a Lot. And my main focus is like feminism and sex and sexual empowerment and inclusivity and and all that fun stuff that we should care about so that's basically me in a nutshell I guess I find it hard to explain it's so hard isn't it yeah no we're gonna get through some of those things soon quickly before we do take us back did you know growing up what you wanted to do and like how did you get interested in these things I guess which is so important 
Oh my God. I mean, I wanted to be a dentist when I was growing up. So that isn't really like align with what I'm doing now. <laughs> like my whole family are dentists and doctors and teachers. So I was like, I want to be like my grandma. <laughs> so my grandma was a dentist. When I finished school, I did a degree of property economics, but I worked in hospitality for ages. But I think growing up, I had a single mother and she's amazing. She's iconic. People might know her from my Instagram if they know who I am. I like love I when, your mom's, highlight. when your mom's on there. I'm just, I'm here for the mum convo. She's great. She's so funny. I asked her this morning if she could come on my podcast and do advice. And she's yeah. like, what would I have to say for God's sake? And I was like, <laughs> mom, people are obsessed with you. Like, I don't think you understand. Like, you're a sick freak. Because she doesn't even have Instagram. Like, she doesn't know. Like, she doesn't have Facebook. She doesn't have Instagram. She has nothing. Yeah. So she's like, oh, Oh, they won't care what I have to say. She raised my sister and I. Like, I've got, like, one male in my entire extended family, except for my cousin, like, one adult male, my uncle Robbie. And then my my grandpa died when I was young. So basically, I was raised with all women, basically. So I think that's kind of created a good foundation, like, mm. building block for, like, my feminist values. And it's it wasn't ever presented as feminism. It was just presented as normal like normal life like yeah like even things that I didn't realize people uh do still like the but the men like the women cook and clean at Christmas like the men do the barbecue and clean that's just never been even like remotely a thing my family like so I so when people start telling about those things I have a very uh aggressive reaction um (laughs) so I think that and then going to an all-girls school as well, going to a Catholic all-girls school and then getting out and working in male-dominated industries and being regularly told, like literally like blatantly told, you cannot be a manager of this bar because you're a woman. Like like literally blatantly told that. Mm. And uh, then similarly at my old job in my interview, said you can't do sales because you're a woman. Like, like, like when people say... When people say these things happen, no man ever believes me when I say this, that I was told to my face. And I'm like, in two industries, I was told blatantly that I can't do things. And, you know, I think being in a male-dominated industry, uh, particularly one as extreme as commercial real estate, made me very angry and very fiery at all the microaggressions that would happen every day. And then when I got my uh, platform and I was so ashamed, I was like, wrong, bitch. I was like, like, everyone's like, how did you find the strength to talk back? And I'm like, I literally have been doing this at work, even at school since I was like 15. Like, it wasn't like I had to find strength. I was like, I can't wait till I'm allowed to take over my Instagram again Mm. and comment shit and and write articles about this and do a podcast about this. Yeah, it's. I think it's just uh, all an amalgamation of things, like having such a female-centered childhood and then a male-dominated adulthood. That contrast yeah. creates me being very uh, vocal, yeah. uh, to put it kindly. I guess people might say, like, how they might ask you, like, how have you found your voice? Well, it's quite clear you found your voice through your lived experiences and you're passionate about these things. But I just get really mad that this stuff still exists. And you, like you say, mm-hmm. these comments get made to women and marginalised people all the time. How do you keep going without just getting so fucked off, to be completely honest? Because it makes me really mad the more I learn about it. Oh, babe, I get I get so fucked off. I mean, I go to therapy once a week and honestly, like every couple of sessions has spent me being like angry about all this different shit because in my very lucky position, people also send me things that are happening in the world. So I'm very lucky that my followers will be like, you'd be interested in this, which I love. Um, But that means that I'm across almost everything that's happening that's bad for women or minorities Mm. or the LGBT community. Or I'm generally, I'm kind of aware of things without even seeking it out. So if I want to have a day off, you know what, sometimes you're like, I just want to turn off the news. Like everything is so bad all the time. I then get a DM 
and like I love it because I'm interested in this stuff and I'm passionate about it. So it's not a negative thing, but it's just I'm very, very aware and I do get fucked off about it a lot. But I think recently I've I've started to learn to just focus on things that I can change and I can, you know, be there for material change. Um, you know, speaking about things on my podcast that I think that week have relevance and kind of taking into bite-sized pieces mm. rather than being like, I have to fix the entire world because I simply can't. Mm. And I, I think that responsibility I felt was on my shoulders after The Bachelor because everyone was like, she's the she's like so aware for a Bachelor contestant, which I love. I was like, yeah, this is what I am passionate about and care about. But it was like, I was the only one in, in a reality TV that spoke about things except for people like Brooke Blurt or there were a few Mm. but no one really like would like take it to the extreme that I would so I felt a lot of pressure but now I'm like nah I've just got to do what I can do and then just you know not like not focus too much on on what I'm not able to do yeah and you were like you say slut shamed on a nationwide Mm. and then any other countries that had we had it on here like a global level you know I love Mm. how I don't love that that happened to you it makes me really freaking mad that that still happens Mm. on TV in 2021 or even I was a few years back but it's still happening now but I love how you turned it from that horrible negative to like using your platform now and sort of using that for good because I mean if people will be like oh what is the patriarchy I mean hello that is the patriarchy what (laughs) happened to you you know being used like that Mm. so how Mm. did you navigate that time and then obviously it's a process but turning it into I guess good and, and bringing about some change it's interesting. I've been asked before, like, did I hire, <laughs> makes me laugh, did I hire like a PR, a publicist to help me? And I was like, no, I just wrote articles and was very vocal about how mm. fucked up the whole uh, portrayal of me was and hence the mistreatment of of, of myself was. I think the way that I, I went about it was I kind of was thinking, because it felt like at the time and looking back, this probably wasn't the case because I have a lot of DMs from people now being like, I've loved you since The Bachelor, but they, you know, when you love someone, you don't really DM them. If you hate someone, you do. Not that you and I would either probably do either of those things, but if like hate is stronger than love, I think mm. when it comes to reviews and when it comes to criticism and online shaming and trolling. So when every every message you're getting is saying that you're the worst person, you feel like all of Australia hates you. Mm. So I was like, oh, fuck. Like everyone hates me anyway. I mean, so just fucking talk about what I, want to, what I want to talk about. So I think that I'm very... I don't want to say I'm lucky for the edit that I got or lucky that the girls were awful to me in the house, but I'm very, I guess in hindsight, it worked out well and it happened. I'm glad it happened to me because I was able to change narratives and change minds because I've, I have the, I guess, interest and the passion and the background that I do to be able to talk about these things in a way that would change people's minds. I mean, even my abortion was like, like a something that I spoke about, not mm. because I was like, I feel like it's time. I was like, everyone hates me anyway. When I had my abortion, I hadn't heard of anyone in the Australian media ever having abortion in from in my knowledge. Mm. Uh, so I just did like an eight minute video about it and was like, this is what happened when I had my abortion. It was shit, blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't because I was trying to change my narrative, you know, it was because I was like, everyone already fucking hates me. Yeah. And I would really love if I had someone that was like young like this, because I was 23 at the time. Yeah. That was like young like this, talking about this stuff. So it was weird. It was, it was kind of like everything just like fell into like into place because I was hated so much that I didn't have that barrier of like keeping up an image. And I think that's the issue for a lot of people off reality TV is they're keeping up their good edit. Mm. in real life 
and it stops them from speaking about what they want to speak about or things they're passionate about or they kind of sit on the fence about issues when I know them personally and they're as mad as I am but they're too scared to say anything in case their management get mad at them and yeah yeah no I so know what you mean because I find that I think I find Instagram and like social media such a judgy place that's why I love podcast it feels like more of a safe space where you can actually have these conversations in depth whereas on Instagram I think a lot of us and it's something I'm still working on and I think we're scared to say things because people judge you but then that's just overthinking in your head as well like how do you not give a fuck Oh, I know. And the thing is as well, like with podcasting, it's it's a one-way conversation. With Instagram, people comment, people reply to your story. So with podcasting, I'm like, I'm, I'm sure the same. Like on my podcast, I'm much more like, this is what I think. And if you don't agree, then like, okay, skip forward. Don't like, listen. Yeah. On, yeah, yeah, don't listen. Whereas on Instagram, people feel the need to give their feedback, you know, about um, how much of an awful person I am because I am, you know, selling a vibrator or whatever I'm doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm dancing in my bikinis and, you know. But I think, honestly, the, it's a few things. I mean, obviously, it's because whenever I've spoken out, I've gotten more and more love and support from the mm. public. And I think that I've been very lucky and that my following, because of my polarising, I don't know if it's polarising, I mean, just like I'm outspoken, I guess, my followers on Instagram and podcast listeners really support me. And if I do something and I mess up, they'll be like, hey, babe, this was on because of X, Y, Z. And it's very like, yeah, it's very supportive. And I have a very engaged audience for what I do. And I think that's the benefit of not sitting on the fence. Because if you sit on the fence, then you speak out about a topic, half your following hates you and you get abused for it. Whereas I've consistently been like, this is how I feel. If you don't like it, unfollow me. Yeah. This yeah. is how I feel. And then it slowly has changed from people who will follow me from The Bachelor to people who follow me because they like me. Yeah. I think as well, I have a really supportive, like I was saying before, people don't do things because their management say that they shouldn't do it very regularly. Like anyone listening that isn't in media, I mean, I didn't know this before, that people's management will not let them post things. Um, But my management are like, honestly, like they're like my best friends. Like I have called them every morning for an hour and a half and I'll be like, I want to do an episode where I squirt. And they'll be like, <laughs> and they'll literally be like, oh my God, babe, genius. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do seem like, very cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're amazing. Like, yeah. and they kind of make sure that as well, any, I don't know if this, this isn't very relatable, this chat, but I feel like it's important to talk about because no, it feels like my, my workplace supports me. Yeah, no, exactly. And you know what I mean? No, it is relatable because you're, by having these conversations, you're giving people who have never had a voice or a platform talk about these things a place where they mm. feel like they belong. It helps marginalise or c- communities that have never been represented on mainstream media. But you're giving those people a voice and a platform to talk about these things, whereas before they might have been like, oh, no one talks about that, so I'm weird. So even by talking about yeah. things which are very sensitive, like your abortion, as like, heavy as that is and so personal for people, you're making other people feel, oh, she had one, so that's okay. Because, yeah, you're right, no one comes out and says... I had one in a public space, hmm. do they? Because, I mean, they don't have to, but... Yeah, there are taboo topics people won't touch. I, I do think it's because a lot of people, particularly in Australian media, because and you would know in New Zealand as well, it's hmm. quite small. Like, we're not the US where there are millions of people that are TV hosts. Like, I don't know if New Zealand's the same, but Australia, I would say, is dominated by, like, 15 to 20 people. Like, hmm. they host everything, they yeah. guest and everything. Like, that's here, that's yeah. why, like, good on them. Getting a bit over it, to be honest, because it's like, yeah, you know, me too. give I'm everyone bored. else a chance, like, <laughs> (laughs) diversity please and you know other talent 
some representation of some other mm. gender, some other, you know, I'd love to see a trans person in mainstream media. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'd love to see that. But these people have created careers on being safe in the middle. And that's fine if that's what they want to do. But then the prospect of changing that up and being being polarizing is so scary that they just won't do it. Whereas I think I did the right thing. I don't want to say I'm lucky. I did the right thing for me in starting off as being polarizing. And then now I'm like, well, that's just who I am. And yeah. if you don't like me, you can literally unfollow me. So, and it isn't even like hard anymore. Like I was like, about to say it's hard. It's not to talk about my opinions. Cause I'm just like. I know what you mean. Hmm. I think when you start off doing something, it's like, I guess it's like riding a bike. Eventually it just becomes like normal. So it becomes like your default and, and it is, it's you at the core of you anyway. So it's not like you're, yeah. pre- not like you're pretending or playing an act or anything like that. Yeah. I'm not like sitting there planning no. my posts being like, I'm going to trick them all. And also I feel like maybe <laughs> you're the same as me where like I have these conversations and I speak this exact way with my girlfriends. Same. Anyway, like my, I, I feel like you're very, if like, if your friends are telling like, it's just like, this is what we talk about anyway. Why not just do it on Instagram where yeah. I, yeah. help other people see that it's normal because some people may be the one person in their group thinking they only think this, but then the whole group is the one person thinking that, you know, yeah. that if they are like, oh, did you see Abby Chatfield's story? Yeah. Or did you listen to that episode of that podcast? Like, oh my God, yeah, wasn't that weird? What do you think about that? Like, yeah. <laughs> like oh, what's I going always, on? Have you heard those thoughts? Yeah, you're so right. I used to always find it so strange that people didn't have these conversations on a platform um, and obviously mm. now podcasting and everything sort of helping with that. But yeah, I just found it really mm. strange. And when you are that person like yourself, you can feel quite alone in a friendship group sometimes if other people aren't like that, if you know what I mean. I always felt like very, yeah. like I didn't belong or anything because I thought these ways and like would think critically about things or get really angry about things, you know? <laughs> like you're the kooky one. Like, oh, yeah. she's the crazy one. Like, when people are like, how do you become how you are? Because my girlfriends are all like me. Like, I literally <laughs> remember one time we like came to my house and we let out all my vibrators and we and we put them around the group <laughs> and we're like, what do you think this? And this is like pre-anything. Like, this is not like because I'm like the kooky sex one. Like, my girlfriends are all very smart, amazing, funny, uh, liberated women. So it's like, like, I'm like, I'm just talking like how I talk with my bitches. Mm. Like, this is not wild to me yeah but it could be wild to other people so yeah. uh, I think it helps a, a lot of people which is nice yeah what would be some advice you would give to other people if they I guess maybe they need to change up their group of friends if they're not surrounded by people that are supportive or like them I mean obviously we don't all have to be the same but you know like, I know a lot of girls who listen to this podcast and be like oh like how do I find people like me you know how how do how mm. did you find people like you oh my god I was again so lucky I worked in hospitality and all my friends are from when I used to work at that bar. Like we went away recently, had a cocktail making competition. We're like it's like we're back in the bar. Like <laughs> I, I'm super lucky. But I think, I think the way to find friends that are like you is to actually vocalize your opinions. And I think a great way to do that is to use as like a sounding board podcast, like your podcast or my podcast. And be like I heard this thing on this podcast <laughs> or this TikTok and said, and be like, what do you guys think about this? And yeah. obviously, you know, everyone has to agree, like you said. But I think it's important to have this discussions and critical discussions about topics and socio-political issues and also about their lives and analyze things. Now, obviously, people are a lot more supportive towards you now. Not that that's like the be all and end all to you, but I mean, it certainly helps, doesn't mm. it? Um, but yeah. how do you like, because your trolling is diabolical. I see it. I see what, sometimes <laughs> the stuff you repost and I'm sure it was worse after The Bachelor. How do you deal with that? Because I know you're getting things like death threats, which are just absolutely disgusting. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, who's <gasps> those things it's so weird oh 
It's so weird, isn't it? It's so weird. I mean, I think now I, you know, I do post most of them and I'm like, oh, whatever. But I think that the biggest thing that I like to do is repost people when they're saying things that are particularly sexist or Mm. like fat phobic or whatever they're saying, that there can be a lesson learned in that. So I'll repost my replies to try and like help people see how they could apply to people in their lives Mm. that speak like that. I mean, I had one last night that was like, will you just die? And I was like, no, babe, got my antidepressant, so I'm all good. But like as well, like I, like I, it's it's like shitty, but things like that don't, don't don't really affect me anymore. But I do get quite scared. I still am quite scared. I live alone. And like I do, when I go to sleep at night, I double check the doors are locked. I'm getting an extra lock on the door just because I have like, I can't sleep some nights. I'm scared someone's going to come and kill me. Really? Um, yeah. Like, well, ever since the death threat, I just yeah, feel like no, people do hate me come and enough. kill me. So like, like I'm no Chloe Kardashian, you know what I mean? Like I'm not Margot Robbie, but someone could just like, easily find where I live and yeah. easily come. And you do have paparazzi in Sydney as well. So the people are probably, mm. I hope they don't make it obvious to people where you live. That's really dangerous if they like pap you outside your house or something. Yeah, they don't really in Sydney. I haven't really been papped in Sydney, but in Brisbane there was a pap who used to follow me um, literally from my house. And he papped me one time, the day before I got that death threat, he papped me outside my house, like, like putting my fob against the key thing. So you could see which key I used to oh get into God. the, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's dangerous. And I was like, that's fucked. And then a couple of weeks, then I got the death threat. Then I had to call the cops and whatever. And then a couple of like months after that, I posted a TikTok about it. He like tried, opened my car door, the pap. And I was like, you can get you. That's actually so fucking illegal. Like I will call mm. the police, you fucking. So like they're a bit crazy in Brisbane, but down here they're fine. Um, But I know any anything that's like an attack on me is way easier to handle because during The Bachelor, it was like things that I did not say or did not do. Like they were Frankenbites. So I know, do you know what Frankenbiting is? No. Okay. So when you go on rally, TV. This is another tangent, but I just want everyone to be educated on reality TV. Everyone says to you, you know, they can't, they can't make you say anything you didn't say. They can, mm. uh, because they, t- they they use something called frankenbiting, which is like singular words. So, say if if I said like um, I went to the shops today, it'd be like I went to the shops today. Mm. Like it sounds like that where they've taken single words from sentences that you've been, when you've been filmed for three months, 10 hours a day, they can make any sentence they want, any sentence structure. So when it was Frankenbiting that I was getting told for, or really bad editing, I was angry because I was like, I didn't do this and I can't, I can't blame on editing because no one believes you when you say editing because no one gets it. Um, But now when it's things that I actually do, like when I sell a vibrator, I'm like, (laughs) why are you mad, dude? You know what I mean? Like, why are you angry? Like, so it's a bit easier now, but it's still, it's it's still shit. There's no excuse for it. And I, I don't think people should use the thing, oh, well, you just get used to it. You shouldn't get you shouldn't get used to it. No. Like you shouldn't. Still to come on the show, we chat about attachment types, realizations in dating, settling, self-care, and advice. But first, a message from this week's sponsor, Sugar Baby. You'll probably remember Sugar Baby as it gained cult status, and it may have been the first self-tan you used, like it was for me. Well, it's had a refresh and it looks so good. Sugar Baby was created back in 98 by two entrepreneurs. All their products are clean, kind, and vegan with the best ingredients for your skin and the planet, never tested on animals, and only using natural ingredients. With their refresh comes new face skincare treatments, which include pot masks and biodegradable sheet masks. I'm loving using the Express Glow Mask for a quick brighten and hydrate. And they have every tanning product you could need, mousse, creams, face tanning water and tan eraser. I've been using the Golden Girl Gradual Tanning Face and Body Cream and it smells so yummy. 
You'll find them all in farmer's stores across New Zealand. Thanks so much, Sugar Baby, for making this episode of the Self Love Club possible. I was going to talk about your collaboration. Well done. That's so oh, yeah. exciting. Uh, we were all thanks, once, babe. We were like, what's she teasing? Why is she all gone orange? You know, what's going on here? I know. But yeah, well done. That's so cool. And I think it's so rad that you are normalizing something so normal like self-love and you know in all mm. the ways and for lots of different people as well not just women which I love is part to talk us through that because I love that you're making it more inclusive as well yeah so thanks babe really exciting so basically the, with the vibrator when we first have these conversations with the bush all the toys were like bright pink and I was like that's fine like that's cute but I want to make sure it's more inclusive for different genders and while colors don't have genders having a pink vibrator could create some gender dysphoria for someone who is trans or non-binary um and also I wanted to see if you know men could use it as a prostate massager like I just wanted to see so I didn't want to make it pink so I just didn't I just thought we'll make it a neutral color so we made it this like orange which which I love and um I've had you know I've sent it to trans women. I've sent it to trans men, non-binary people. I've sent it to um, gay couples. I've sent it to, uh, you know, lesbian couples. I've sent it to just straight cis gals. Like I've tried to, when we were doing the PR list, I tried to make sure that it was, we had at least someone from each category that I could think of of gender or Mm. sexuality. Just so even if I didn't want to post about it, just so I could message them and say, did you like this? What did you, and did you like and did you not like, you know? So that wasn't a really important thing with a vibrator and that's why I was excited that it was insertable as well because you can use it if you haven't if you have a hole you're fine <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean you don't like, have to have a clitoris like to use it yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 you know yeah I've got a good feedback so far but I'm just so excited for it to be you know out there and and to be promoting sexuality and kind yeah. of bringing mainstream vibrators which which like isn't as well I think it's important to acknowledge that it isn't just me. I think when people are like, yes, our sexuality queen, but it's actually off the back of work of the LGBT community for the past a hundred years, as well as sex workers since the beginning of time and normalizing that. So yeah. I'm just lucky that I can be a part of bringing it to mainstream, not not the main driver. Yeah, no, totally. I love that. And thank you for what you're doing. It's so important. It's really cool to see people like yourself. And I guess I've just noticed in even the last year or two years, how self-love, self-pleasuring sex toys has become so normalize it's like the modern day Mm. self-care you know like even a couple of years ago if someone would approach you to do a deal some people would be like oh I don't know if I want to post a photo of me holding a dilly you know what I mean um Mm -hmm. you know it was I was like that yeah I was like oh I don't know I'm nervous about it but like you're a bit like ashamed is shame around it which is so strange again Mm. it's a taboo thing but it is really interesting to watch that shift in the last even year to two years. And I'm wondering if like COVID has helped with that as well. Cause like, obviously, you know, you gotta, you gotta get off somehow, you know, and like sales would have been going through Absolutely. the roof. Babe, for sure. I think it did. I mean, I know, I know that vibrator sales went through the roof then. I know that yeah. like even the posts that I was doing, I get, sometimes I get stats back on how many we've sold from the posts and there were many, many getting sold over COVID. I think it's interesting that that dynamic that's happened, that shift, I think it's great. And I was speaking about it. I obviously posted my collab video and there was some dickhead guy who commented being like, just wait for me to promote flashlights and see how much yeah, I shit that. I get until I become a creep babe, no one's stopping you from doing that. Like I actually, one of my goals for this year was normalizing threesomes with friends and normalizing flashlights. Luckily, and somehow female sexuality has been normalized 
faster than male sexuality. It was exponential growth. I feel like, mm. you know, five years ago, the female orgasm wasn't even spoken about. And now it's, you know, in mainstream media now, it's like the main thing. And then men have kind of been, cis men have kind of been left behind. Mm. I mean, up to catch up. Exactly, because they're creating patriarchal standards and forcing each other to adhere to those by giving their bros shit if they found a flashlight in their room or something. Yeah. Whereas women would go, oh, what's this? Yeah. This is new. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's so, like, hello, women have been impressed for like thousands of years. So like, sorry about it. This is our time to shine, you know? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, babe. We've caught up. We started sorry, sprinting but, yeah. at the end. Like, like we've really killed it. Like, yeah, you guys have been impressing us for <laughs> forever and I still get trolled and, you know, it's not my job to do that. But I, I do want to see sex toys of, of for everyone included because it, because you know flashlights aren't mm. just for men they're also for women and like trans women and non-binary people so i think it's it's very interesting the way the world has changed very quickly but i'm grateful for yeah, it yeah no, i'm grateful th- for everyone's having more orgasms yeah well done and thank you for the work you're doing because i it's so so true like i feel like as women growing up as well because i mean i remember telling uh my gay housemate he didn't realize he's like so do girls not like orgasm every time and i was like nah babe trust me and it's like you devo right he didn't understand he didn't know yeah. that and he's like god that sucks i was like yeah i know and like a lot of guys don't give a shit you know when you're a female you just sort of get used to it it's like what you shouldn't get used to it like hello if you you know no pressure but also it's pretty shit that you're getting off and i'm not you know what i mean so hello if you you can do it to yourself like that's great and it's it's safe it's like you know empowering and and you can do it yourself you don't you don't need date strangers or and if you want to do that it's fine but you can just do it from the safety of your own home and yeah like up your game dudes that don't make you you know every time honestly the amount of friends that i have that i'm like oh how was the sick and they're like yeah it was really good i'm like how many times did you come they're like i didn't come and i'm like so it was nightmare so it was the worst sex of your life and they're like no it was like he tried and I'm like, nah, they didn't try hard. Lo- no, <laughs> I love you. I'm like, I didn't love you too. Man. That's the other thing. Mm. I hate that sex is like starts and ends with the male with an erection. Yeah, if a straight hetero, it's so unfair. It's like you're sex. finished. What about me? You know? Yeah. Like, okay, you got hard, so we started, and you stopped getting hard, so we stopped. Yeah. No thanks, babe. Like, yeah. So mm. many guys from conversations I've had and what we've been shown, and you know, movies and all mm. that stuff. It starts and ends with the guy, and then it's like mm. the girls left to be like, "Cool, what?" A- so it, yeah, it is, and also I think that's why masturbation is so important because then you know exactly what gets you off, mm. and you can say like me being like, "Okay, uh, what I want right now is this," and they can do it. And if they're not going to do it, then they're being really shit. I think the hard thing is a lot of a lot of women don't know what they want, therefore they don't know how to ask what they want. But the way to find out what you want is through masturbation and exploration mm. of yourself. You know? Yeah, an intelligent woman. I, I saw some stats ages ago that like. It's a like sign of intelligence to masturbate. Smart oh, woman I masturbate. Mean, yeah. <laughs> You're like duh. Like, I mean hello? I mean our brains must be the size of <laughs> the circumference of the earth, honestly. Yeah. Talking about self-love and self-care, how have you learned to love yourself and I guess take really good care of yourself? I mean, babe. I'm not really sure. I mean, again, I feel like I, I I was talking to the Keep It Cleaner girls the other day and we were talking about like how when you get kind of older and it's so weird saying like, as you get older, kids, like I'm <laughs> yeah. fucking 25. Like, but I'm like, as you get older, I think you start to realise that A, there's no way you can change your head structure. Like you can't change your bone structure unless you get extreme plastic surgery. The way your body naturally is, it's how it's going to be. So 
as kind of a way of being like, oh, like not giving up at all, but leaning into Accepting. how things are with yeah. me. Yeah. And like, and being like, fuck it. Yeah, like, like I have sick titties. Like I look great in like a tight top and a cute little skirt. Like knowing, knowing your strengths, you know, I also think that, you know, I, I've been in pretty badly emotionally abusive relationships in the past, uh, multiple. And I think that the therapy that I've had to do to counteract that has made me understand self-care and, and loving being by myself a lot more. I think that, mm. that also goes into self-love and self-care, you know? Yeah, no, I so know what you mean. And I I, I try to spread that message too about normalising therapy. And also I think so many women and young girls too think they need to be in a relationship and they'll put up with mm. shit and it's like... You you actually don't need to do that and it's totally okay to be on your own like there's nothing wrong with it even though society shuns you for being single uh they do exactly. they look, you get you're less than because you're not in a relationship it's like what's wrong with you you know and we talk about that stuff yeah. too but good on you for doing that as well because you do learn a lot about yourself in therapy don't you especially like when you've blamed yourself for situations which aren't your fault yeah definitely and I think as I think as well therapy is a, is a really great way to explore not only what you want but I think it's like when you were saying it's like you you're assumed like you need to be in a relationship I have always been not in a relationship but I've always like had someone to have a crush on or like been pursuing someone and I feel like that's kind of made kept me entertained almost but you know over this past year I was thinking last night like in the shower this is the most single I've been like as a year goes like consistently like not had sex not had anyone to sleep with because of COVID or because Mm. of whatever because of me being busy with work me moving states like and honestly the moments where I've been completely single and I had to not even like crushing on someone have been when I've been the happiest because I've had to, oh, I've been I've been allowed to and able to find the happiness within, within myself mm. and find out what I want to do and prioritize what I would like to do, not worrying about if someone else is doing something wrong or if I'm doing something wrong or if I'm, you know, with the right person or if they can be better, you know, it's just mm. like I'm just going along with things and seeing how we go, you know? Yeah, no, I love that. And so true. You Yeah, so it's so important for people to embrace being single sometimes like you don't have to have someone all the time because you just don't you you're totally enough as you are yeah yeah and I think in fact you probably should have long period not long periods but if you want to do long periods of being single so you can figure out what you actually want not what you'll settle for so I feel like I was dating previously like oh this will do and then I'm just gonna fall in love with you romanticize you and whatever but now I'm like what do I actually want and there's been a few people lately that I've been dating and one of my friends said this recently as well that like short like short-term dating like I mean like going on like three dates or like sleeping with once or twice and they're really good people and I'm like this won't be anything but it's nice to think about those people in a way of what did I like about that person and and what standards should I now set for myself yeah. going forward, you know, rather yeah, than no, rather I- than being like, I like that person despite their flaws. I'm like, no, they, they have things I don't really like. Not going to work. But I do like this. Yeah, so no. I'm going to look out for that in the future. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I can kind of relate to you. I've dated some great guys, but also like some not good guys. Like, you know, we, we go for fuck boys, emotionally unavailable. You name it, we've had it, right? And it's a pattern. And so I've, I've had to work through it in therapy as well. Like, why am I attra- Why am I picking these people? And I, I, I will go to the um, anxious avoidance stuff because I love that you know about that because so many people don't. Like the, the, oh, the attachment types. We've discussed that with a therapist on the podcast. But anyway. 
way. What I wanted to say is it's really good for people to experience normal relationships. And like you say, like you might date someone and I have and they haven't worked out. It's good for you to experience normal dating rather than just someone who's just like a fuckboy and disappears on you all the time and then comes back in when it's not actually <sighs> that's not normal and so I yeah you're so right and another thing is I used to and I've gotten better at it because I just decided I didn't like being treated like shit anymore from dating fuckboys mm. is yeah. <laughs> like I'm sorry I just, like finally I, yeah, I, love, like, actually, I don't want this yeah it was like uh, yeah it was a few years ago now I just decided I stopped attracting them you pick those people because they're exciting right but then the nice guy seems boring but it's learning that the nice guy and boring isn't actually boring, but it's hard to find that spark. And I think a lot of girls can relate with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think as well, it's like in regards to the spark, a lot of people do the opposite of dating, dating people just for like the spark. And they, they settle and think, Oh, he's a nice enough guy and it's fine. And I have a few friends that have in the past been in long-term relationships. And I've been like, what do you actually like about this person? Mm. And not that they're treating them poorly or they're complete assholes. I'm like, I just don't see, like, I don't see this, but like, can you tell me what you like about them? And the answer is always, he treats me really well. And I think that's back to this like settling. Like, so I feel like a lot of people, particularly women who are in heterosexual relationships are settling for either the spark and getting treated like shit or no spark and getting treated well. But I think we owe it to ourselves and to Mm. each other to keep finding people that we have both in like because yeah. it, it, it is possible it, it is really possible to have both of those things as someone who treats you well and also makes you excited you know yeah it's hard though isn't it man but mm. yeah you're so right oh it is <laughs> so hard man. you're impossible yeah I need, all, I need some help no I, just no, think, I know yeah, it's hard but uh, also you're so right I think so many people settle and then when they are because I just refuse to settle and I think you're the same like but then like I was like I just don't get it like you know why don't you have a boyfriend it's like because I'm not settling and and I haven't met the right person yet and that's okay you know exactly and like yeah because it isn't about people not liking me it's about me not liking them like like as conceited as that sounds no I get it I completely get it it's the same for me I'm just like I just can't fake it sorry like if I don't I'm not into you I'm not into you yeah and I think my mum is always saying like you should go on more dates and I'm like but the people that ask me on dates I'm like not I'm not excited by them when they ask me on a date so why would I be excited about them after you know a nice ragu and a glass of wine probably (laughs) Probably not. Like I'd rather as well. It's something that I've done in the past like couple of years is I spend a lot of time investing in my friendships rather than focusing on relationships. I'm like, I'd rather spend that time if I have emotional energy. And I'm sure you, maybe you like, do you like emotional energy as well? Because your job is to talk. So you're like, you get home and you're like, I just want to be alone and be quiet. Yeah, like, I that's need, how I, I need feel. a lot of recharge time because it's like a lot of energy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So to go on a date is like the biggest amount of energy. And I'm like, I could spend less energy and get more back from spending yeah. time with my girlfriends or that's, me that's FaceTime big... my girlfriends. I told, oh my God, I've never heard someone say that before, but that's a big reason why I don't like going on lots of dates because it's exhausting. Like it's so draining. Mm. And then I'd rather. And spend... what are you back? Yeah, exactly. It's like not really much in it for me, which sounds so shit, but it's like well, when your time is, when you don't have a lot of spare time and then you want to spend it doing the things you want to do, right? Rather than like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard. And be with people that people people that you want to 
spend time with that you maybe are neglecting because you're so busy. Mm-hmm. And I think I'd rather, you know, if I have four hours in the week, I'm going to give three of those to my girlfriends and, and one hour to myself. I'm not going to give two to a man and then have one for my girlfriends yeah. and one for me. Like, that's just not, that's just not how I want to, yeah. how I want to do that. I mean, unless they excite me, in which case I'm like, I'd love to go and then see if you treat me well as well. I think my prerequisite is excite me first and then we'll see how you treat me. Yeah, not yeah. like, man, it's not going because he's nice. Like, oh. There are a lot of nice men in the world. Yeah, I completely are. agree. Mm. But do I But do I want to date just a nice guy because he treats me well? No, I can treat myself well and I'll have to worry about someone else. Totally. We'll touch over quickly the because uh, I know you have anxiety as well, like a lot of people listening do. So learning about attachment types can be really helpful. So how has that helped you? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been, I've found out about attachment types initially from Esther Perel. Do you listen to her podcast? Yeah. You read her book? Yeah. We love Esther Perel. I am anxiously attached, though I think I'm becoming more avoidant and I can't tell. I posted a story the other night being like, I'm not sure if I'm healing or I'm just becoming anxious avoidant, but that's a whole other thing for me to work at my therapist. But mm. um, I think it's really important recognizing uh, my anxious attachment. I mean, I'm not the classic anxious attachment, like, I've never been controlling or like jealous or like I've never vocalized my anxieties. I just internalize them, which I think maybe yeah. is worse. I'm not like come home now with your no, boys. Neither. I would just be like, Why I just won't it? say anything. I'll sit I'm there. just like silently and then but I'm like but then that energetically comes across. You're sick. Yeah. Subconsciously they'll pick up on that vibe, even though you don't say anything. And like we're not yeah, I totally get it. I'm the same. I'm not the I don't say anything. I just like suffer in silence myself. Yes, and then and then I get upset by myself and like have and then have to go to sleep instead of going out with my friends. So I feel so sick. This person isn't texting me back, Aww. or you know. And I think part of my healing has been th- those short relationships that have been really good guys. That I just haven't like clicked with, but yeah. they treated me well and replied to my texts. I, I think that really helps. I think as well recognizing the attachment style, of the person you're dating, because like when I date someone who I think is avoidant, I can understand their actions more. Mm. But also when I date someone who's secure, I almost like can study them. And be like, yeah. okay, how are you reacting to this? And how should I, like, is this how an old person would react? You know, because I yeah. always end up avoiding people. I'm sure you do as yeah. well, probably. It's so annoying as well, because mm. the thing with about avoidance is they're the ones that come on strong in the first place. I had this last year with someone I was dating. I'm anxious, right? But I wasn't like panicking or freaking out. I ended up stepping into the role of being the calmer or the person calming the other one down. But the anxious avoidant often will come in so strong, like guys often do. And I guess that it can be across genders and stuff. But, you know, um, they come in really strong and then they're the ones that back off and you're like, dude, you're the one that came for me. I did not the other way around. Like, yeah, I wasn't chasing you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the reason why a lot of cishet men are more avoidant is because men have been taught to not show their emotions. Women have been taught that they're you've got to grab onto one. You know, you've got you've got to nag one. And men have been taught that there are endless options, there's endless time as well with a biological clock, yeah. and that they shouldn't show their emotions. So this combination of all these things, like women are emotional, quotation marks, and you have a time limit. You know, we need to make sure that we've got the right one. Just just settle for a nice guy. And men are taught that they can you know fuck around and and they can not show their emotions and they shouldn't cry. And I think that creates this big divide between men and women. That's why there's like clingy girlfriends and like 
fuckboys, mm. you know? I don't think it is overgeneralizing to say that because I think in a lot of experiences, I'm sure you have a lot of girlfriends that have been through the same stuff that you have mm. with men, right? Yeah. But yeah, I think attachment styles are really interesting, but I do worry sometimes that I think about mine too much. And then I do do this as well. And I'm like, is this because I want this or is this because I'm anxious? Is this because I want this or am I becoming avoidant? You know, do I, yeah, do I, I dislike this person or am I avoidant? Yeah, you'll totally work it out. But I think I just know if you know yourself really well, if you're not into someone, you just, you know. And also I think it's interesting and I'm sure you'll work that one out about the healing. Maybe you're just, isn't it nice when you experience what other people might feel like that don't care so much? Maybe you're just not, like, mm. you don't give a shit so much about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Whereas when you're an yeah. anxious personality, you care about everything and it's so exhausting, you know, whereas maybe you're yeah. just experiencing like, what other people feel like. I know. Isn't that weird? Like, for example, literally just then I got a text, like, like literally, like, I just checked my phone and I got a text from the Ooh. person I was supposed to be seeing tonight and he's like, hey, babe, I have a bit of work to catch up on. I'm in my own head a bit tonight. Do you mind if we rain check? Yeah, that's fine, babe. I'm like, I'm like, thank you for communicating that. Whereas I yeah. feel like me and like my anxious a year ago, be like, what have I done wrong? Yeah. What's up to me? Like, it's very like Jess Eva, who I was, I'm a celebrity to get me out of here with, would call it negative narcissism, where it's like you think everything someone is doing is because you've made a mistake. And it's like, no, people have their own lives. So mm. People think about other things than you. So like a text like that, I'm like, wow, what a securely attached person. Yeah, we love Therefore, that. I shouldn't freak out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care if you cancel. Just tell me and also ask me and be like, you okay? Of course I'm okay. <laughs> what are some other ways that you look after your anxiety? Because a lot of us understand how relentless and, mm. and horrible it can be. So, like, you know, how have you got through those really tough times with your anxiety? Oh, my God. I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out, hey, like, I'm on antidepressants, which are going really well. Also, like, I don't know if this is good or bad, but, like, I'll just go for a run. And I know that's like, go for a run, but, like, I don't know about you no, when you have helps. anxiety. Yeah. Your nervous energy. Yeah. It's like, it's it's just that you have too much energy. Like, it isn't that I'm like, I'm trying to run to, like, get out of my problems or think. I'm like, I just need to move. Lit off steam. Um, yeah. 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 But I think the biggest thing, honestly, is therapy and as well, having one person that I can text when I'm feeling really anxious and, like, understand like my one of my best friend's mum calls it I'm feeling a bit wobbly yeah. which is so cute I love that so I'll text my friends or the group chat like girls I'm feeling a bit wobbly tonight like can you tell me like what happened at work today or something so that I don't, I can think about something else you know oh, but that. I'm still trying to figure out things you know like I don't I don't know it's shit particularly when you're in the public eye and, and you're super busy and everything's going on you feel like you have so many responsibilities as well as getting you know told you should die it's a bit hard you know yeah <laughs> it's a bit Do, much does so Social media make your anxiety worse? Does that make it worse mm. or does it almost help talking about things on there? Because I just wonder how you handle that because I would, I get anxious mm. sometimes even about things I'll post on my story. I just overthink it. I'll be like, oh, I shouldn't I shouldn't have posted that even though it's not even bad. Like I feel like sometimes we just get in our heads so much. So how, how does that work for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that feeling as well. Like I'll be with a friend and I'll be like, I'll get one negative reply or something being like, this is disrespectful. And I'll be like, should I not have posted that? Like, am I fucked for posting that? Mm. Like what? It's a double-edged sword. I mean, it's bad because social media creates this endless loop of information you can take in and you can compare yourself to other people. But I think for me, it's good because when I post about anxiety or depression or whatever I'm feeling, there will always be someone who will reply being like, same. And they'll be like, this helped me so much, but it helps me seeing their message as well. You know what I mean? It's like a two-way street with that. Like I'm very grateful people reply to me saying, I feel this way as well when I'm anxious. You aren't alone. That's good as well. I have like, you know, 250,000 people that I can be like, anyone else feel like this? And they're like, yeah. 
that's me. I love that you've created such a beautiful community just by being yourself. Mm, yeah. Oh, they're so sweet. Some of them are a bit crazy, but they hate follow me. So that's all right. I oh mean, my God, what is up with on... hate followers? Hey, I just don't get it. Like oh. why? Or people you don't even follow and you go watch this shit. Like just go away and get a life, you know? Babe, people, like there was a whole post in a Facebook group about like, people who hate follow me. Like I can't even hate follow her anymore. Good. Unfollow me then. Like yeah. it's not like, like I'm I'm just being myself. If you don't like me, that's so fine. That's so mm. fine. Just unfollow me though. Like I'm not sure what you're getting from this. I don't enjoy you looking at my content if you don't like it. Like such a waste it, of people's energy. You know, like, wouldn't you want to use that yeah. for something you like? Oh, just yeah, yeah don't exactly. Exactly. Yeah. To wrap up a few things, um, what have been some of the biggest lessons or challenges along the way? I know that's a really heavy question to hit you with, but what have been some of the biggest things you've learned? As so cliche as this is like it's so cliche like the two biggest things are everything passes like everything dies down and I've had the worst baptism of fire into reality tv and it's all worked out for the absolute best and I think everything happens for a reason you can never tell the time why that thing's happening not even in like a destiny like spiritual way just like like I look back and I am not happy but I'm okay with my edit because it's ended up that I can speak about the things that I want to speak about. And I think as well, that classic, very cliche thing of those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Mm. I would get DMs being like, your family must hate you. Your friends, you have must have no friends. And I'm like, no. So they know me for a decade. They're fine yeah. with who I am. And it's similar to now, like I was saying, like having polarizing views, people who don't like what I'm doing. Like when I posted my abortion video, I got like, I lost like 500 followers or something. And it's like, good, like see ya. Yeah. Like, 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 goodbye. So those are the two biggest things, to be honest. Yeah, no, totally. And knowing that, I mean, you've kind of answered it in a way, but what is some advice you would tell younger Abby if you could do that? Oh, honestly, babe, take a breath first and fucking foremost. (laughs) I I live my life, like, would love to remind her that everything will settle down, everything will fall into place as it's supposed to. And um, I think also trying to enjoy actual moments for what they are rather than figuring out how I'm going to get to the next place, you know. Totally. And what about advice you would like to share with those listening who want to live a rad life and speak their truth like you do? Oh, oh my God. I think the biggest thing is find like-minded people, cut off any friends that you feel like are pushing you down and making you smaller than you are. Also, you know, talk to people about things that matter to you. Don't just stick with the status quo. And yeah, I mean, follow people that you like. You know what I mean? Just like surround people with things. Lean into your interests Mm. and your morals. Yeah, totally love that. I know it's a big question and it's always hard to answer, but what does feminism mean to you now? And I've heard you talk about how it's a lot more, it's changed because it's a bit, you know, about being inclusive of other people that are part of that. So Mm. when Mm. you, because I know that you're big on feminism, what does that mean to you now? And, and, you know, what's your focus on that? Yeah, I think my like baby feminist view was like, and obviously I still feel this way, like autonomy for women and whatever we want to do is okay as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. Um, But I think now, and not that these groups are ever excluded, but now I'm trying to really focus in on educating myself and hopefully other people when I get the proper education and, and can get platforms to other minorities such as Indigenous Australians and you know, other racial minorities and, and speaking about different intersections like the LGBTQIA 
plus community that I am a part of as being bisexual and trying to focus on those elements um, and how we can uplift those elements and and focus on that as well as focusing on the autonomy of individual, individual women. Like it's not that I'm discarding either one of those. It's that I think that I want to broaden my understanding because I understand the first definition, but the second definition, you know, starting to learn and grow in that area. Yeah. No, I love that. And it's so important what you're doing. Thank you so much for your time, Abby. So appreciate it. I know you've got a lot on, so we really appreciate it. And we love having you on because we love you, babe. (laughs) Thanks for having me, babe. You have to come on my podcast sometime. That'd be fun. That'd be so much fun. Let's do that. Thanks to Sugar Baby for making this episode of the Self Love Club possible. Clean, kind and vegan, using the best ingredients for your skin and the planet. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Self Love Club podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We're an independent podcast and you can support us by subscribing on your go-to podcast app. Click follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star glowing review. Show us where you're listening. Maybe you're out for a pretty walk. Uh, Or screenshot and post on your Instagram story and tag us in it at Self Love Club podcast so we can see and share. Share with your friends, sisters, workmates, everyone. Delve into our backlog and enjoy listening. You can find us and follow at Self Love Club Podcast. I'm Abel Crawford and we'll catch you soon.